Clay, in this episode called The Forge, the crew plays basketball on the ship, which is kind of fun. TNG had fencing and mm-hmm. DS9 had that weird racquetball game that O'Brien and uh, Bashir used to play. They go to basketball here. couple takeaways. Basketball is a fairly hard sport to film. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when that happens, it relies on every every show that's ever had a basketball clip has a hellacious posterizing uh, block. <laughs> that's part of the part of the proceedings. No, uh, no exception here. And we also learned that Flocks is very good at basketball. But does it make and sense that they're playing basketball in this? This does this crew play basketball? Flocks right is very good at basketball, and he also, yeah. I think, was hoping it would turn into an orgy. Yep. Um, judging by he calls the way it that an, he was kind of. <laughs> His woolen jumper. Yeah. His, his, yeah. <laughs> he calls it like an, similar to an Octrin fertility contest or something. I think I'm looking yeah. at that now. Basketball yeah, makes sense um, for this crew? Is that the right sport? I, I mean, I don't really know what else it would could be. Um, Caught me a little off guard. I, I wasn't ready I mean, for them to be playing basketball, I don't think. What what else could they really play on a, on a ship? I mean, isn't... Not much. I don't, I don't know if they... I mean, maybe in the cargo bay there's room for a tennis court or something i don't maybe but i don't know if uh if there's anything else that yeah yeah i guess i could see this yeah. crew being a volleyball 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 crew no they can't play baseball quite there's no holodeck basketball yeah no basketball's got that great appeal that's why the hmm. uh that's why it's so big in urban centers all you need is the ball and a hoop right and it's just so little space is necessary you can fit it in the shuttle bay i guess right here i guess i I was a little caught off guard when they started playing basketball. I just I didn't I didn't think that this crew was a basketball type of crew, but I guess I guess I was wrong. Anyway, we're going to be talking about the Forge. It is an episode of Enterprise. What number episode you say? It's the seventh episode of the fourth season. Came out on November nineteenth, two thousand and four. It is Jordy one of the three Forge. in this. Directed by Jordy LaForge. It's uh, one of three of the Cyrenites arc. It's you know more, how you say the forge in French? No, I took Spanish. La forge. <laughs> it's a, mon frere. It's funny I know how to say that. I took Spanish. Uh, it's five of seven in the Vulcans versus Andorians arc, written by badass favorite writers Judith Reeve Stevens and Garfield Reeve Stevens. Directed by Michael Grossman. In-universe date is unknown, but it's 2154. And then it's also 2137, which is the cold open, I think, which is 17 years before. In this episode called The Forge, when Earth's embassy on Vulcan is bombed, the investigation puts Archer and T'Pol on the trail of a Vulcan religious faction hiding in a treacherous desert. It's Dune. This is the episode perfectly timed for the release of Dune that's going to be coming out. Maybe this episode comes out on the same day. Keep our fingers crossed. There's no sandworms, though. Um, this is the start of the Vulcan arc in this show. Three episodes. Written by Judy uh, Judy Reeves-Stevens. I'll call her Judy. She's familiar to me. And Garfield Reeves-Stevens. Um, two badass writers, which is interesting. They come on to the, th- the fourth season of Enterprise mm-hmm. being big Star Trek novelists is where they came from. Uh, so this is the Vulcan, start of a Vulcan arc. What'd you think of uh, the Forge? Well, I want to talk about that um, <clears throat> that cold open real quick because I, <laughs> for a second, I thought it was a liquor commercial mm-hmm. because uh, it had it had all the over the top drama, and then a guy dusts a bottle off 
out of the desert and goes, Ciroc. <laughs> and I just immediately thought of liquor. Uh, it would have been liquor or possibly per, uh, perfume or cologne or something. It would have been a good uh, commercial for either of those. Um, yeah, yeah it does I, the funny, I like this. It does, sorry, it does the funny thing of the thing is covered in like an inch of dust, and instead of just shaking the dust off, he carefully brush, <laughs> brushes it with mm-hmm. his little mm-hmm. archaeological 500, brush. 500 years of dust that is very easily removed <laughs> with, uh, with a toothbrush. Um, yeah, I, I like this because I like Star Trek Six, and it's basically the same story. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. I didn't love the 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 stuff. Wait, six on the, or six or five? Do you mean five? No, six. The six. One, how the how one is this like six? The, sorry. Oh, because the assassination, a, uh, I guess, the bombing. Yeah, and and it starts with a uh, yeah the assassination that's blamed on the on the rhyme or whoever they blame. Oh, it sure. On and, Maybe I'm just thinking of the desert at five. The, the desert is so prominent in that one. It's all I can think of uh, with this the, one. The uh, the guy who shows up I did. I I he, I I didn't think he was Cybok because obviously Cybok is a very different character than this. Mm-hmm. But it did have the same kind of vibe as as that. Yeah, I thought I thought this was pretty good. I thought it was a good uh, solid mystery story. I didn't really care for the stuff on the desert on in the desert with uh, T'Pol and Archer, it felt like a lot of kind of running in place, even though they were running away from things. Yeah. Um, but aside things. from that, yeah, for, for a first, for a first out of, uh, in a three episode arc, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, this is, um, it's, it's clear. It's, I, I really felt that this was obvious, um, that this season is, Something of a change. We talked about that in a previous episode where uh, the, the show still feels like Enterprise, but it feels like a different version of Enterprise. Like, I, I think the way that this most sticks out is that this they're clearly, it's like plainly obvious that they're trying to reconcile the Vulcan portrayal so far. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it comes in hard and fast that this is an, an attempt to explain what's been going on. I think it's most obvious in... Soval, who's the ambassador that we've known forever since the, the start of the series, he feels like legitimately a completely different character in this episode. It's it stands out to me how like differently written he is and differently motivated he is. Like he has a he has a point of view that he's never really had before. Um, I f- honestly I found it slightly jarring because in their attempt to fix what the Vulcan problem has been in this series so far it really feels like it comes on hard and fast that we're going to do something different and so the characters are going to act a little bit different than you've been expecting them to do at the same time i think that what they're doing is pretty clever because they've taken it even down to the acting of the vulcan characters in what they're trying to show here which is that the vulcans who are part of this like conspiracy, the government Vulcans, basically the ones that we've been familiar with, all are bad at acting like Vulcans. And the Vulcans that are following Some of teachings them are, are just bad are, at acting. <laughs> it's the same difference. This, the chief security or whoever, whoever plants the bomb is one of the yeah, worst Vulcans is, I've ever seen. <laughs> that, he's, he's terrible. He's, full stop. He's just one of the worst <laughs> anything I've ever seen on that show. He's he's pretty rough. But the the Surak Vulcans who are going to be 
obviously the legitimate Vulcan outlook that Vulcan is going to change after this arc ends, right? Like Vulcan has to adopt this sort of philosophy towards things. They were that guy, the guy who they find in the desert. I don't know what his name is. He's probably one of the best Vulcan actors the show has had so far. Yeah, he was I think. Good. He, he he plays Vulcans uh, the way that I would expect them to be played, which is that he has something brewing in him, but is not reacting to it. And I thought that he was I thought that he was really good. And hopefully, the rest of the Serenians or whatever they're called, Serenites that they run into, uh, are similarly cast. But did, did you have any thoughts about? Did you find it jarring, or did you not care? Do you not think about enough about Soval to find that this was kind of a strange switch of things to happen all of a sudden? Yeah, I, I've I've never been as sensitive to the portrayal of the Vulcans as you have been. Um, that being said, there is definitely a difference between the government Vulcans and and uh, the desert Vulcans, uh, and the desert Vulcan seems a lot more like the traditional Vulcan style. Yeah. Um, I I I would say I found Soval. Is that his name? Soval's the ambassador. So, Soval, yeah. yeah. I I would say I I found Soval different, mainly because he was so quick to work with Archer when they've been pretty uh, adversarial up yeah. to this point. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But you know, yeah. I guess at this point they've been work. They've been crossing paths for four years on easy alliance blah 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 blah. so it's not it didn't bother me that much but it does it does stand out a little bit being like this guy all of a sudden is uh very very quickly going along with everything that archer suggests he's going along with mind melts of uh yeah yeah it it, it, um i just feel that i don't i don't know if the soval character turn is completely earned here and what's going like i I guess that they're trying to get it by the uh, through the shocking death of Admiral Forrest. They're trying to show that 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 Soval has um has changed his outlook on humans or something like that. And I I should I have like the scene that. between him and those two where, where they talk about um he explains why humans are so vexing to the Vulcans. I thought it was kind of a neat little scene that was the, probably the best that those two characters have ever had. And then uh, Forrest is just wiped off the map in that explosion. He somehow predicts is going to happen. I should have assumed that the Admiral was going to die just because he opened the show and actually had, like, lines and stuff. Had point. But, uh, uh, had a point. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was noticing yeah, as it was, it was happening, it was like, the show hardly ever focuses on characters that are outside of the main the main cast like this. And then, of course, one of them dies, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Admiral. I was going to open this by asking you if you could recognize, if you could name that Admiral. I probably would have had a hard time. I had to re- look up his name uh, before we started. What is but it? Admiral what? I think it's Maxwell Forrest. I think that's Maxwell Forrest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we hardly knew ye. He's gone. Yeah, he's dead. Surprising. A little bit surprising. It's shaking things up, I guess. The show realizes it's on its way out. Why not kill off that this bomb, guy? That bomb went off after he locked it into a... Uh, shit, I can't even make the joke. What the hell does the, the Admiral <laughs> do in Discovery? Oh, <laughs> when she locks herself into the room, into the room then, that can't be destroyed, or she locks herself yeah. in with the bomb or whatever. Yeah. yeah, doesn't pull a whatever her name is. Can't remember that either. I, I think great, before, great commentary all around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I guess I'm trying to figure out how to get into the forge. My my main mm-hmm. takeaway is that this is an attempt, a plainly obvious attempt to bring about what you what is considered to be real Vulcans, right? So 
the the Cyrenites, these desert Vulcans, are what we will expect Vulcans to be, what they'll be going forward and everything like that. That's what the, the TOS Vulcans will come off of that. Everything else will come off of these guys. They're the true followers of Sirach. They're going to show that there's some kind of government conspiracy with the main Vulcans. I guess my issue here is it's a little bit annoying to have to so plainly correct what has been wrong leading up to this point of three seasons mm-hmm. of being wrong. And I think that I, I, I wonder how effectively it's going to be able to convince me that this is something that can be reconciled, right? Like how, how Archer has been acting to the Vulcans this entire time, how the humans have been acting to the Vulcans this entire time, which to rehash in my opinion is they've been talking about them as if they're normal Vulcans and they say things that would make you think that the humans are still dealing with the Vulcans that we're familiar with. But every time the Vulcans come on screen, they don't act like Vulcans. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be able to reconcile it. Do you think, do you think that the forge is this set up enough to like clear the hurdles of difficulty in reconciling this kind of thing? If you even think it's that necessary. Um, I don't expect it to be a full changeover. I expect the end of these three episodes to be like, well, I guess we as Vulcans need to rethink some stuff moving forward Mm -hmm. and that kind of. Let you uh, <clears throat> let you do the the work in your brain to assume that over the time between this and uh, TOS, they actually did change. Although I I think the toughest thing about that, if you want to get nerdy and specific about canon and timeline and stuff, like the 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 the, the, the turnover for this to like completely change their way of living across the planet is. Like years. less than yeah, less than the eight, the lifespan of a single Vulcan. A Vulcan, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah so we've talked about it. We've talked about that before. Like that that that's that's always been the problem with the conception. Like I'm I'm not wrong here. Like the Vulcans were just done incorrectly. This this wasn't the point to do this the entire way yeah. through. I I don't really understand why the Vulcans were done so badly and why they were consistently drawn strangely even like even if you were building a point as you say you're only 100 years from being able to reconcile whatever it just feels like it's you're not going to be able to get there in time do you think it was a studio mandate to change the vulcans like i don't think studios would care like i I don't think they know about them well if not studio like someone in the production office like Berman or someone like that because like I it feels like the kind of thing where they're like oh we're gonna put Vulcans in this well it's well well don't we gotta make them do stuff in this one they gotta take their shirts off and everything you know yeah it's yeah. Uh, like instead of because um I don't know if it'll be out at this point but uh, uh, a sneak preview <laughs> into the next Rotten Horror Picture Show um uh Friday the 13th series episode we're talking about Jason Goes to Hell and uh, the guy who directed Jason Goes to Hell got the job because uh, Sean Cunningham said uh, you can direct it if you can uh, if you can get the mask off of him and get him out of the goddamn camp. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you've kind of painted me into a corner with the general concept that you're dealing with here. It's like yeah. that story Kevin Smith tells about uh, John Peter Superman. He's like, Superman, first thing we got to do is get him out of that stupid suit and he can't fly. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, <laughs> you sure you want to make a superman movie but that being said i don't i don't think it's it's 
it doesn't feel like as drastic of a change as that. It, uh, you know, those things are those kinds of changes are usually sweeping, as those two examples kind of show. Um, this feels more like it was just a style choice that just doesn't jive, or or maybe it was, maybe it was conscious and be like, all right, well, we're going to do a li- the Vulcans a little bit differently here, but the excuse for that is this is a hundred or something years before TOS, so we got a little bit right. of wiggle room. I yeah. think it's the same kind of wiggle room they claim to have with the like the Klingons and Discovery and stuff, but I just I don't, yep. I don't really buy it. Yeah, it's um, I just think that the change was made without a sense of purpose as to why they were making the change. Yeah. So it, it yeah. feels, it, it feels to, it, in a lot of ways, it feels similar to the Temporal Cold War if they were actually trying to do something. I mean, at least even in the Temporal Cold War, they acknowledged that there was such a thing as the Temporal Cold War. They never told you anything about it, but they were just like, you know, this thing, it, it exists. I don't think the series ever got to the point where it, because as I always complain about, the characters treat these Vulcans like they're Vulcans. They always go, you mm-hmm. unfeeling, emotionless bastards like and then and then the vulcan screams at him and it goes like why does archer continue to tell them that they're unemotional not feeling unlike like you know honest vulcans or whatever here i it's a relief to get back to a kind of vulcan performance and a vulcan point of view that i think actually makes sense and i feel that this is a kind of an episode that makes a like harder star trek fan happy because you go back to mm-hmm. vulcan you know you get to see this there's a ton of name dropping to pow is the name drop from a mock time Sirak has been mentioned before and oh, things like that I didn't, I didn't realize that uh that she was from a mock time <clears throat> yeah she's the leader of the vulcans in a mock time so she's gonna oh, she's obviously I'm, gonna go on to bigger and better things i misheard it and i thought they said kapow and i was like the sound effect like batman Kung Pao yeah, Chicken. But I guess it with a T. Um, is that? Does that? <laughs> is that? Uh, this show obviously shows my ignorance. But is that a thing where the uh, all do all female Vulcans have a, a T apostrophe name? Yeah, most of them do. Yeah, to do all males have S names? So, uh, most of them do. I don't think it's a hard rule, but most of them do have S names. Yeah, it seems like a very limited it's logical. name. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> and Surak sounds a lot like Sarek. It's kind of a similar name, so it gets yeah. a little bit confusing I after keep, a while. I keep hoping the twist is going to be they get to the cave, and it turns out that Archer is carrying the mind of Sirach Lofton. And that's <laughs> that's how the Vulcans... Starts having sex with everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's how the Vulcans get all up in there. It's He's carrying Sirach, right? There's no mystery as to what's going on there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It's one of those things because I feel like it's an episode that beyond the the bombing and the the plot uh, mechanisms to get Archer onto the planet, it's not a tremendous amount of plot that's going on here. Like we haven't met the Cyrenites in any sense. You just met that one guy, and then Archer gets Archer and T'Pol get captured by them at the very end. So you don't really have a lot of uh, point of view stuff from those guys. The setup I think is is fine and dandy and works well enough to kill off Maxwell and then get to know the the Vulcan, the high command is up to no good and stuff like that. Gets him down to the planet. I, I think that one of the, it's, there's also, there's kind of an older enterprise problem here, which is that you're Archer, right? And the Vulcans go, hi, uh, this is the, the Cyrenites. They're a, they're a sect of Vulcans. 
And Archie goes, okay. Archie, sort of confounding me throughout this entire episode, at no point does Archie go, what do the Cyrenites believe that makes them different from other Vulcans? You know, he never, he never, he never yeah. broaches the subject of like, why are these guys a different sect of Vulcans and why do you dislike them so much? Mm-hmm. And why do you, why, mm-hmm. why, why, why do you even think they would try to bomb your embassy? He never, he never asks a single question about anything like that. It's a very typical Archer style, but I found it a little bit infuriating because T'Pol clearly knows all this stuff and is mm-hmm. not letting it out uh, because she is hiding it saving for whatever it for the next episode yeah saving it for the next episode yeah my my one my one question was um how did how did they expect that accusation to go will you walk into that room and accuse someone of of planting a bomb based on telepathic mind meld evidence and nothing else like were they expecting the other guy to turn around and go <laughs> how could you and then have him arrested or something yeah it seemed it seemed like they there was not a great plan there no, it's like a polygraph. I, I guess you just do it knowing yeah. that it's not admissible, but you just want to see if this guy will crack. But that guy's such a horrible actor. That and it's an outlawed. Crack. It's an outlawed maneuver, isn't it? Like it's yeah, like they, a, they don't. It's uh, maybe not outlawed, but it's definitely frowned upon. If it's yeah. uh, analogous to homosexual sex, which it was in Stigma, because it was like the AIDS uh, virus episode where they they call they they basically made it a metaphor for AIDS, that sickness that they get uh, from the mind melts. People have been doing that for a long time. I don't know how much information about crimes have been, have been drawn from that. <laughs> Maybe some. Much. I don't know. Yeah, they they. I don't know. I I guess it's just to kickstart the. I guess it's to kickstart. Like it, it gives. It's if you're an investigator, it gives you at least a direction to go. Maybe you don't have the crime to peg these. You don't have the evidence to peg these guys with, but you you have some sense of this is the direction that you need to move in and stuff like that um what happens to how Soval as, at the end how as a logical as a logical vulcan how does soval go not go maybe we should wait till we have a bit more evidence before we play our hand here logically this does not make sense <laughs> to uh well he's he's one of these elite non-logical vulcans that that's archer true. should start yelling at them about all this stuff because i, I that's kind of what I mean by Soval's turn not being earned because to this point, Soval has been really nothing but a dick to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like he's just right. been the kind yeah. of dicky Vulcan. And here, I guess it's Maxwell's death that inspires him to do other things, but he, he, he has to take the step to change that his character previously never felt like it was going to actually take that step. I'm glad he did because he's been kind of a waste of a character to this point. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, a lot of the episode just feels like I want to get to the Cyrenite stuff and they're going to explain the Vulcan hesitancy and why all this mm-hmm. schism came along and stuff like that. I do I do like it. And maybe this is a it's something to that'll tie into the, like the scoring at the end of this uh, season. What's interesting about this season so far to me is that I don't think on our score system the scores are all that different, right? But mm-hmm. these are better versions of the scores that I would give in a previous season. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. I'm looking at the episodes and I'm going, "This is, this is, this is a blank out of five, right?" I go, "But this is a this is a better version of that than it was last season." So it's not this like transcendent transcendent change that's happened over the show. I just right. feel like they've toned up their 
process a little bit and things don't feel as I, I I think that the reason I liked this episode is I felt like this episode moved at a clip. Like there was always sure. something going on and always something escalating the action and moving it on, even if it's just Archer and T'Pol walking through the, the desert that I think is missing from a lot of previous episodes of Enterprise and Seasons, which were very kind of lackadaisical and characters just kind of like hang around until something happened. But I guess my ultimate point is that I don't know how much the show has improved this season. It just feels like it does better versions of what it was doing w- without being a drastic improvement. Would you agree or disagree with that? I <clears throat> I would say so far I do think that it has improved because I think the difference between this episode and the last series, uh, the last three, is that they clearly feel like they are about something this season yeah. and driving towards something even in their own little pocket trilogies um whereas the previous seasons very very rarely felt that way a lot of them felt like they were just kind of like spinning wheels and and just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff yeah and that's not to say that these have when i say about something i don't mean like grand allegories for you know our time or anything yeah. like that yeah I just mean like they, as stories, they feel like they're going somewhere and they feel like they ha- are about something instead of yeah. just, I remember the Magnificent Seven. Let's do that for an hour. Yeah, I, I guess I would say that they feel, and this ties into the augments, they feel like they're about Star Trek while still avoiding being about anything outside of Star Trek. So like the augment arc yeah. was like, it had all these themes and stuff that it could have explored and it brought them up but at the at its focus was let's talk about the augments and soon because this is a star trek show so let's bring that back mm-hmm. i think here that's maybe that's maybe a concern for this arc going forward is that when i was talking about earlier like in an attempt to rectify things the only thing that you can focus on is the canon star trek aspects of like connecting dots and I feel that they might not be super concerned with how this allegorically ties into any kind of interesting narrative story that you want to tell about the Vulcans. Mm-hmm. It's more about connecting the dots of the, we know the Vulcans were acting funny before. The real Vulcans are in the desert and they're going to take over the planet in a couple of days and everything will go back to the way that you expect it to be. And, and I, they're I don't all know. high. They're all high on that stuff they painted on the ship <laughs> that <laughs> T'Pol was smoking in the last season. There's an allegory for you. T'Pol's bag is so full. You know what I mean? I, and I, I don't know if that's a great way to go. While saying that this season is much better than the previous seasons, or at least is slightly better. I still wish that the show could make the stories a little bit more interesting than just being a kind of tie up of canon issues as a, or like rectifying previous season problems. If yeah. I was Kodo, I don't know. I would just, <clears throat> I might just be like, forget about what they did in the three previous three seasons. Just like start over. Maybe that, maybe that's not acceptable in a, a way that the show works and the way that production works and stuff like that. But it's, um, and there's still time to go because I think that we went through some up and downs in the augment arc. There's like good and bad that can be mixed in without with over the course of three episodes. But hopefully the next one elevates it somewhere that brings it to a place that's more interesting than just the Sirenites tell their story. Archie goes, this is wrong. I have to talk to the high council about this. And then he mm. or high command and then he talks to the high command and then all the Vulcans work out and kumbaya the rest of their day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I... I- I found the bomb plot a lot more interesting than the 
Vulcan. Oh, really? Uh, the, uh, the Vulcans in the desert stuff. Yeah. Cause like, where, where did you I, think it was, was going to go? Like, were you like, you were wondering who did it and stuff like that? You mean in that kind of way? Yeah. I, yeah. I was curious how it was going to turn out. Cause I didn't, I mean, I didn't, I think it's, I, I don't know as many of the connections. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I didn't really give a shit. Well, and I, I don't mean that dismissively, but like it, I was more interested. <clears throat> yeah. I was more interested in the stuff that was happening on the enterprise than I was them walking through the desert. Cause like if the, the stuff in the desert just kind of felt like they were running out of time until they did the mind meld sequence and passed over that shit to Archer. Whereas the other stuff was an actually kind of an interesting mystery. I thought, and where it ends at this at the end of this episode, still don't totally know exactly what happened, who was behind it. I mean, it's someone in the high command. Obviously, it's probably that other guy. But, yeah, uh, I just I just immediately assumed it was those guys. like once they introduce high high command characters like that, you go these are the guys who set the bomb. That, that's that's where I was coming from. So I was never when when they started down this path of like who could have set this bomb off i was like well it's those three characters that we were just introduced to because sure, they're the only sure. other characters that we know at this point so but i would agree with you like the desert is not particularly interesting but i was really intrigued by that new vulcan character who dies who mm-hmm. again i can't remember his name but i wasn't i wasn't aware that he was going to die which is kind of unfortunate yeah. but i was i was intrigued that he felt like a real Vulcan to me. And the strongest thing I could say about the episode is that the writing staff at this point now seems to understand what a correct Vulcan portrayal is. And they nailed mm-hmm. it with one guy that kind of had to be that. Like he, They couldn't have screwed up that casting. That casting is too important to screw it up, even though the guy dies after about five minutes of screen time. And right. I thought they did a good job of it. Well... <laughs> <laughs> you, you you can't screw it up with him, but you can screw it up with the fifteen people we meet next episode. Yeah, well, there's, some of them are going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably to Pow, I would assume he's going to be the worst Vulcan performance uh, that we've seen to this point. Unfortunately, I did, I did really like um, <clears throat> Archer after the mind meld, basically turning into like Don Quixote, where he just thinks he's a Vulcan. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and to Pow, he has to stop him, stop him from. <laughs> dying in the desert from thirst because he's not actually a vulcan that was kind of fun yep doesn't have to drink just wants to keep walking he knows where the holographic rock is and stuff and stuff like that um so does he have just ciroc's mind or does he have a combination of ciroc and the other guy because you'd combination and Right, isn't this what happened with McCoy? McCoy carried the Katra of Spock for a little bit and wasn't he wasn't Spock, but he was Right. But does he so does Archer have was it just a the guy who died passing on Sirach to Archer, or is it is it he's got both hard drives in his head now? Oh the, the no, guy I think he just, and also Sirach. I think it's just Sirach that he passed along. I don't. I think that guy sacrificed himself to save the god of Vulcan logic and uh, religion. Good, uh, good acting from Bakula in the uh, the mind meld sequence yeah. too. He looked like he was getting his brain sucked out <laughs> like in Starship Troopers. I, I even like the mind meld that Soval does to the the brain dead crewman. I thought that was that was fairly effective. It's maybe just the fact that they repeat the tropes of saying my mind to your mind, or my thoughts yeah. are your thoughts, and stuff like that. Quick question. Maybe I missed it. Um, how come they didn't beam the bomb into space? Why did they beam Reed and and Mayweather out? They said they said it was a 
um, it might be a gravity trigger, and if we beam it, it'll blow up while it's in transport, and so it won't totally be gone, and it'll kill them oh, either way. Okay. So he thought that, he thought the he thought the trigger was picking up the bomb, and I guess if you start beaming it off, the trigger will go off and blow them up. But I see. Finally, uh, Mayweather's rippling muscles came into play <laughs> in this episode. Hoisting, hoisting some rocks off of things. Yeah, hoisting that rubble up so uh, Reed can play footsie with the bomb. And uh, my very, very minor nitpick here, but I would think that as you're being beamed while you're holding the rock up, the rocks should start to fall through you. And it shouldn't wait until you've completely beamed away, and then the rock will fall. You know what I mean? Sure. They only Mayweather so should have, like, out. rock hands or something like that when he <laughs> when he gets to the other side. Well, that's the same thing. Like, what is it? Is it, uh, uh, I think it's the 2009 Star Trek where uh, they're falling off the, the world engine thing. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that like diving sequence, and then the mining, tum- the mining, yeah. uh, thing you're talking about, yeah. The, the, the gravity, what the hell's it called? Like the space elevator or something? The drill, isn't it? Uh, the drill, the, yeah. The drill, whatever that, whatever that giant thing is. And and they have to, they can't, they can't get him because he's spinning because his parachute goes, <laughs> and yep. so Kirk has to dive down and like grab onto him, and then they get him, and they they transport them both. Theoretically, yes. you would think when they appear in the Enterprise, they hit the floor of the transporter room <laughs> with the same amount of force they would had they just hit the ground falling that fast and in, in, through the middle of the air. But yeah. apparently not. Apparently, it doesn't work that way. No, <clears throat> no, doesn't it doesn't work with inertia, and it doesn't work with muscle mass. Apparently, you can just keep holding the thing up even as you're in the beam. Yeah, it's like every know. time the flash runs by and picks somebody up real fast, it should what should just happen is half. you should grab them by the waist, yeah, and they just explode into dust. <laughs> um i don't there's not too much else to say about this one it's kind of an interesting episode because i like it but it's not heavy in any way Uh, or it's Mm -hmm. not like there's not much to it i guess it's all um plot construct and like slow moving plot construct and things like that but uh i guess before we just move to the end do your general takeaways that you liked it just because of the way that it was moving and you found the mystery kind of compelling is that right or am i missing something here about why you why you enjoyed it yeah i thought it was i thought it was well put together i thought the mystery was interesting i'm 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 curious where it the mystery goes in the next two episodes i mean because obviously the truth is going to probably come out the next one but yeah that's the one thing about the mystery aspect is i don't know how much more. What are you considering the mystery still to this point? Well, like they have to officially reveal who blew the thing up, even if you know, even if we know that it's those guys. It's like there has to be some sort of reveal of that, and what does that sure. mean? And you get two episodes left to deal with whatever that means. So basically, why um, the high command Vulcans are holding the Cyrenites down? Why why they're sort of because uh, I. I guess I'm not seeing much more of a mystery to it beyond just a sort of power control thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's either going to be some in canon explanation as to like, we feared their logic so deeply that we had to send them off into the desert and we like being assholes. So we're assholes now. Uh, But I, I honestly feel like it's just going to be kind of like a political power play between the two of them. It's just like this, this, the government came into power and it doesn't like the, the people who consider themselves to be like the true believers of Vulcan logic. I don't know if the show is going to go any deeper than that. You think they might go deeper than that? 
Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I was just talking purely structurally. I just, uh, as far as what they have left to do, they have to reveal who the bomber was in a larger sense. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, the reasons why and what that means for the rest of the story. And they got two episodes to do that in, and it seems like not a lot of places to go with a lot of time left. So, yeah. um, Yeah, Yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, I guess that's my... I guess my concern is that it's not going to, like, it's not really relevant. The bombing plot is just kind of a MacGuffin to get it going. And I, I, mm-hmm. I think that where I see this going is just that Archer is going to have a conversation with the Sirenites. They're going to explain why this power shift has happened. And then they're going to have to go back to try to convince the high command Vulcans of accept the Sirenite point of view because you wronged them or something in the past. You know, like there's a... Arch is going to clear the house of corruption out of Vulcan, right? Right. By yeah. using the Sirenites, who drop a couple hints in this episode that, like, ha, huh, I bet those lying high command Vulcans told you everything that you believe, don't they? As I know, it's that kind of stuff. And so, I don't know. I don't know if the plot is actually going to be particularly interesting. I think it's yeah, just going yeah. to be reconciling that point to get to the end goal that they want the Sirenites to take over stuff, and it could be quick. Could be. Could be uh, yeah. That's that's say. the thing. <clears throat> I mean, if it's just if it's just if the point of this these three episodes is just to get from point A to point B as far as the Vulcans go, then yeah, it's probably not going to feel very satisfying at the end. Um, but if they can do something more interesting with it along the way, then that's that that would be good. I, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised cute. if the Andorians show up at some point in the next two because they they name drop them in this one as possibly the ones behind everything, so it wouldn't surprise me if they showed up in some capacity. Yeah, they count this as part of the Vulcan Andoria arc in the Memory Alpha link, mm-hmm. so I guess some, um, if if just mentioning those two words in the same episode puts you as part of that arc, and maybe it is implying that something else is going to happen. Uh, I guess that's it. We'll go to final thoughts then. So thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the show today. That's The Forge, the seventh episode of the fourth season Jordy. of Star Trek. And not directed by LeVar Burton, unfortunately. Michael Missed opportunity. You got to think ahead, two steps ahead. Thank you very much for listening today. Patreon.com slash the Penske Valley. If you want to support the show there, a couple dollars a month, get you extra stuff, extra podcasts. Clay and Amanda are going through all the Friday the 13th movies. We did Tombstone recently. We did a trivia contest. We have like 100 podcasts out there. If you're you interested in that. You know what we should that, have done? We should have thought ahead. ahead. We, should have, we should have eaten, both been eating Tombstone pizzas. While we were talking about Tombstone, <laughs> the, the the deep the deep ad references. Do it's those also still good exist? business. Tombstones, yes, they do. Yeah, good. For I them. never liked them. They're not my. What's your favorite frozen pizza? I never really ate frozen pizza that often. I I, I really couldn't, not not frequently enough that I could tell you. Oh, that that brand. brand is really good. <laughs> yeah, no idea. After high school. Growing up, it was always Mama Celeste, those little ones that are like 12 inches wide that you put in the oh, toaster sure. oven. Yeah. Uh, but now it's Newman's Newman's Own is the, the go-to oh. brand that we go I for. didn't know Newman's made uh, made pizza. He does. That's interesting. You put a little salad dressing on that pizza, you got yourself yeah. a, a feast. And you does feel good have, about donating responsibly to charities. Does the package have a delightfully racist caricature of an Italian <laughs> drawn over Paul Newman's face? 
<laughs> He's got a little mustache and a little uh, handkerchief around his neck. <clears throat> no. Remember when Trader Joe's people told Trader Joe's to stop calling it Trader Jose's and they said, go fuck yourself? That was a great, <laughs> mo- was a great moment in uh, food history. Um, <clears throat> Patreon.com slash the Penske All podcasts, all pizza talk, all the time. And as always, we thank our captain tier supporters for being so generous in supporting the show. A special thank you goes to Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Andrew Charlock, Matt Ross, Christian Pouch, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Grim Santos, Sean Bradley, Killens, Brendan Howells, Dwayne Hackett, Paul 13 Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elwich, Stephen Minton, HH28, Darth Moss, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jake123, Poindexter G, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Santuan, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Larry, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Rahan Jafford, Nick the Red, Tizbrada, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardieu, Edmark Starr, Grapple John Zorn, Retail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter, ZWNF Remixes, Captain Munchausen, James McLennan, Bill, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Two Weeks Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, and Mutilated Puppet. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Patreon you comments know, now. Now that I'm thinking about it, <clears throat> I do remember us having frozen pizza in the house. <laughs> I think it was a small. I think. Well, I I don't remember the brand though because Red I Baron? think my. I don't know. I think my Did parents would buy it. No. I think my parents would buy it at Costco, oh. so it would come in like like a bunch in a bigger box, and yeah. so they were just in the freezer in just the plastic packaging after you take them out of the box. Because Costco pizzas are supposed to be pretty good, aren't they? Maybe I'm I having a bad memory. Solid. Yeah, I, I think I remember Costco frozen pizzas being pretty tasty. I didn't uh, eat them I, that I, often. Yeah, I think my sister liked them more than I did, so I think she was eating them more often than I was. But uh, yeah, I remember they're fine. I always burned my mouth on them on the cheese. It was always oh, like man. right up. <laughs> Ruined your day. Ruined your I, night. You just got this okay. inflamed mouth. <clears throat> Quick tangent. I, I apologize if I've already told this story before. Um, my girlfriend went away for, for two weeks to go hiking in Iceland. And so I was by myself at the house and the day, uh, like before she had left, we'd ordered pizza. So we had leftover pizza, like, you know, pizza from our, you know, pizza place. So we had leftover pizza in the, in the ki- in the fridge. And, uh, I was going to have that for dinner. The, this is the first day she left. She has not been gone 24 hours when this, when I do, when this happens. So I put it mm-hmm. into the toaster oven because if you're, if you are, um, you know, a, cultured person you know that the toaster oven is where you go not the microwave because otherwise you put it in the microwave it gets all you know gross and soggy yeah can't uh, eat it. so i yeah and so i put it in the toaster oven crank that baby up and you know you kind of got to ballpark it see when the cheese is bubbling you know you can, sometimes the cheese bubbles and it's still cold so maybe you leave it in a couple extra minutes so i took it out piping hot this is like pepperoni uh <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sit down on the couch, ready to eat this amazing smelling slice of pizza, melted cheese, pepperoni. I take one bite of it, and the cheese and the pepperoni had fused together in a single, like, flap. So I bite down, and I pull back, and the entire surface of the pizza slides off the pizza, mm-hmm. flaps down the front of my face, <laughs> and burns the absolute fuck out of the entire bottom of my mouth. <laughs> and so i had to <laughs> i'm like I, like you didn't, furious you didn't burn. Let go. Like, <laughs> no like i it was i didn't know it was happening until it was too late sure like i yeah, just sure. bit and pulled back and all of a sudden i've got like molten cheese on the bottom of my face like a batman villain <laughs> and so like and it's like burned burned my lip i had like a scar there for a while yeah and so i yeah. <laughs> i took a picture of it and i said to my girlfriend she's like i haven't even been gone 
24 hours and you've already seriously hurt yourself. <laughs> it's like it's like the loneliest person's injury possible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they don't have a button. They don't have an emergency button for you to press when you do that. I can tell you that much. Just telling the doctor you burned yourself on your like frozen pizza just eating alone. <laughs> eating yeah. Alone it's night. it's on it's on par with Michael Scott burning his foot on the Foreman grill when he wakes up because he yep. likes to smell bacon when he wakes up in the morning so he has it going next to his bed. No, that's pretty good. I could see that. I could see that happening. It is a a case of too little too late when you start to realize that things are are way too hot. It's too late uh, for you to do anything about it. Cuz you know, when it's too hot, you react quickly, right? So you either, yeah. you know, you either like suck it all into your mouth and chew, you know chew it really fast or you just kind of like whatever and so the reaction was instinct. i bit down yeah, yeah it is it's very strange i bit down it was hot i pulled back and the whole thing just <laughs> went just burned me that's why i have this beard now it's a, <laughs> it was it was it was much fuller it just destroyed the follicles and just cheese yes, cheese yes. everywhere this is actually the uh, it's the remains of the the pizza um yeah that's well that's a tragedy and very painful and i'm sort of feeling however pain in the roof of my mouth now simply the pains addendum once my lip kind of calmed down and the pizza cooled down i did finish the piece of pizza good yes did you did you do the thing where you you dropped it back onto the crust or did you was it on the floor and you had to pick it up and like rinse it off? i think i think it ended up on my the front of my shirt honestly oh, because okay. i was just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a a jilted lover you just go back to this uh the cheese just on your chest and just like all right i'll, I'll take you back. i mean it was a full <laughs> piece i could put the thing sure. back together and it was you know good as new and less lethal that time it's an artisanal slice well, let us know what you guys think about it, your favorite frozen pizza, and ways to avoid hurting yourself while eating pizza will be the next podcast topic. Did I thank the patrons? I did. So we'll go to patron yes. comments. Yes. They can leave their comments about upcoming episodes if you're a patron, and we read them. Matt Ross says, The Forge should actually be named Forging the Obvious, as we can see whom is behind the problems when we meet Administrator Vloss, who also plays Admiral Layton from DS9. So civil unrest is sure to be occurring soon. Saying humans are essentially the chosen ones or the glue that ties the universe together along with pasting into Pow from TOS as is forced as the explosion where it seems that Admiral Forrest looks like he saw the explosion happening before it happens. This episode does a better job tying into TOS than the last three seasons, finally showing the Vulcans aren't so perfect and a bizarre racism to people who can use innate psychic powers was interesting. The CGI, Selot, not so much. I was half expecting to hear Lawrence of Arabia music as Archer and Paul go through the sweeping desert vista. Three idics out of five. I was uh, I was kind of surprised. Only forty three people died in that bomb. That was a pretty serious bomb. Oh, they, they say only four that, people died. Forty three. Oh, forty three. Okay. Yeah, they cut to that exterior shot of that huge building, and like every window in the thing just blew out. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. I was surprised by um when they showed the establishing shot, <clears throat> the CGI establishing shot of the the place. I was like, wow, that looks awful. But once it was blown up, I was like, yeah, it looks pretty good. It's, it's much yeah. better when it's like destroyed and, and things like that. Uh, Thomas Darnell says, I love the Vulcan arc in Soval. It's fantastic. The forge itself is a bit much with the killer electrical sandstorms, but it's always fun to visit Vulcan. The political intrigue is heavy-handed, but I suppose that's true to life. A solid setup. Four out of five. Next comment is... 
Latte Librarian says, if Vulcans only need to drink water every few days, I guess that means they only have to pee every few days as well. Four sandstorms out of five. It's true. And they have... um, Yeah, I guess, yeah. T'Pol drinks a lot of tea. Maybe the caffeine goes through Vulcans a little bit more, and that just causes them to... Has that diuretic effect? It's diuretic, right? That's the right well, term. I think there's a difference between having to drink water and choosing to drink water. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay. if I didn't have, if I if I needed to preserve my water intake, I could go however long I needed to go. You yeah. know, until I was going to die. But if you have second degree burns from cheese right. on your face, you need a little like bit more say, water. <laughs> yeah, like say I just completely destroy <laughs> the bottom half of my face with a searing hot slab of mozzarella cheese and you can't get grease. enough cold water fast <laughs> no 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 uh and you know that's a grease burn too and you can't yeah. put water on those right there no you need fire, this I special think. special fire extinguisher that's like the number two or whatever and blast you right in the face with it have you ever used a fire extinguisher in any situation no i've always wanted to I never, I've never, I never have. I mean, yeah. I should knock on wood and hope that I never have to, honestly. But mm-hmm. it is one of those things I see on TV a lot where it's like, that looks like fun. Yeah. I, I, it, it would be fun. We have ours. I've never had to use it because I don't, I don't burn the kitchen down too frequently. But there's always like YouTube videos of, uh, you know, the thing is like, idiot uses water to put out grease fire and there's like a huge grease fire and they pour the water and then the whole kitchen lights on fire or whatever and, mm-hmm. and everyone in the mm-hmm. comments is laughing at him but i'm just thinking i probably do the same fucking thing if that grease yeah. fire caught on so it's it's not that bad but uh i would like to spray a fire extinguisher because you pull the pin point at the base squeeze the trigger it's like the the simplest operation possible bing bang boom bing bang boom how goes the fire next comment goes to Grapple John Zorn says, if nothing else, season four Enterprise does its homework. I appreciate that the Vulcans depicted here is the same as the world built in TOS, the movies, and particularly the animated series. Also, Travis has some lines, and we see a different side of Soval, though not necessarily a well-directed one. Flox is adorable in his little wool jumper, little woolen basketball jumper for brain-dead TSA officers out of five. Although, I guess the only thing that's not fun about fire extinguishers is, like, the, the, you watch on, like, the Three Stooges and stuff on TV. People get sprayed with them all the time, and so you know, yeah. everybody has a big laugh. Apparently, that's not very much not safe to do. Oh, really? And it makes, it makes, your, it makes your eyes, like, all get all fucked up and, and uh, reacts. Is it, You're not supposed to do it. Yeah, it's, a, it's not CO2. It's some sort of chemical, right? It's a, yeah, it must be yeah. some sort of retardant that you have to use. David mm-hmm. Knox says... I think this might be the first comment from David Knox. It's not a name I recognize. For The Forge, I was wondering what you guys' thoughts were on a quote I read from Jillian Blaylock concerning the show's handling of T'Pol. You can't take T'Pol and say, okay, you're a Vulcan, and take away the Vulcan characteristics. You might as well clip the ears. T'Pol's hair doesn't move, even in battle. And if it does, we reshoot it. We don't bleed here, and nobody dies. Give me a break. We're all knowing where's the risk, where's the danger. So I guess the point of her quote is, that the show took away the Vulcan characteristics early from her. Um, I mean, it's kind of what we talked about here uh, leading up to everything is the Vulcans haven't been, it's just been a bad portrayal of Vulcans, I think. Um, Well, I guess, I guess that quote at the very least means that it was intentional, right? That change. Or she's complaining about it, I guess. Um, it's strange. Reading the oral history, she didn't seem like much of a Star Trek person. Like, mm-hmm. I, like that her knowledge of the 
uh, her knowledge of the Vulcans would have seemed limited to me. Like, I, I wouldn't have thought she would be the actress complaining. She had some good points about internal consistency of what she was asked to do in that oral history. But, like, they'd, they'd tell me to do one thing, and then the next episode would be the complete opposite. And it's like, what is this mm-hmm. character supposed to be doing? Which makes a little bit more sense. Um, I don't know. I just... If you take her quote here, you're a Vulcan, take away the characteristics, you might as well clip off their ears. I think it's just the fact that it's um there was no there was no reason for the change. I'm fine changing the Vulcans if there's a reason for what they're doing, and if it takes this long to come up with a reason, it probably wasn't worth it in the long run. Drugs. Drugs. Is she still high? That's still a thing, right? That's still going I don't on. Know. Who knows? If you she don't still talk has about it, then it just goes away. <laughs> I think she, I think she's still emotional, or just I don't know. Brendan Howell says in uh, the Forge, in which you learn why Vulcans are afraid of humans, and Admiral Forrest finally gets appreciated by Soval. We all know Vlas is the villain from the moment he appears. Is Vlas the bad actor? Or is that the another Vulcan? I wonder. Everyone's bringing up Vlas, and I don't know. I think he's the uh, bad actor. That's not is it? That's not her husband, is it? No, her husband's name is something else. He's he's got to be in on it, right? You think so? I don't know. Well, they, they got to get rid of him somehow. They do have to get know? rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think personally they should st- keep him around just because the uh um having T'Pol have to essentially I think it would be interesting to put T'Pol a Vulcan in the situation of what does it actually look like to have a Vulcan who is in love with a human while trying to adhere to the Vulcan tradition. Yeah, yeah. So, like, whatever comes along with, oh, oops, they accidentally slept together this time. What You know, that, that I think that's kind of an interesting place to put her in, but I have a feeling that's not going to happen. I think it's just going to be her husband is going to be uh, jettisoned from the show. Yeah. Like I, so I, much Belial. I, I, I'm, Belial? Belial. Belial, is a, well, yeah, Belial is a demon, I think. Belial <laughs> is the one from, from Deep Space Nine. I was really I wasn't thinking that he was going to be tied into this conspiracy or anything. I just I he feels like a character they're just going to drop at some point. It's like he just he's just gone. Yeah. Or, I guess it's it's tough cuz he does give her that necklace thing. Yes. But I don't know. I could see it being like, "Up, oh, well there was a tracker in the necklace, so now they know where the 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 Loftonites are." I thought that was actually kind of decent writing cuz it it it's multi-layered in that it serves two purposes, which is that it allows him to be a plot device that delivers the map to T'Pol, and it also mm-hmm. shows that they are not close in their relationship because he doesn't know what it is. You know, he, yeah. he's just, he yeah. just brings it. So it, yeah. and it, decent writing, and it gives uh, a bunch of um, married people who watch the show a sweet new secret handshake they can do. Yeah, with their, their partner. little two finger thing. And then you yeah. touch her on the neck afterwards. <laughs> you both hold up two fingers like you say, don't touch me. Yep, don't touch, not touching. If I put my hand here and it hits you by accident. Uh, Vlas, I wonder who Vlas is. I don't know. We'll have to see. Anyway, I felt like I was watching the Dune miniseries. Four crappy CGI salots out of five. Yarpy says, episode kicks off the story with a bang and kills off the likable Admiral Forrest. I don't know if light oh, Vlas, Vlas is the uh, the administrator, the head of the Vulcan High Command. So he's the, he's the, the older other guy. guy who was, yeah, the older guy, yeah. Okay. 
And I actually like Soval in this episode. I also like the slightly mysterious, I like the slight mysteriousness surrounding Vulcans and how there's clearly a schism in their society. They also do a pretty good job with the investigation and the detective work they're doing. They actually managed to make, in, uh, make me intrigued as to what's going on. Four asshole Vulcans out of five, almost five. Nick Sergey, final comment, says, The writers of this episode know they're Star Trek. They wrote The Making of Deep Space Nine, which is a fantastic book I recommend. And they bring that knowledge to the fore with this episode. Look at all the lore we're getting. I love the little, uh, I love the old school look of Vulcan. It's a red sky, not a blue sky, J.J. Abrams. And Arev was a great guest character. Who loves Arev? I felt like I was getting a deeper look into the lore of Trek here than in most episodes. Is Arev, he must be the Vulcan in the desert, I guess. Oh, yeah, sure makes sense yeah um yeah a lot of uh, well i guess there's a vulcan name that's not an s if his name is and vlas and vlas yeah so we're just shitting all over our point we made 30 minutes ago thank you patrons for your comments about that a lot of high ratings for that a lot of fours i think the average of the patrons would be a four what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five uh i think i might also give it a four actually okay yeah i think it was a good i think this was a better start to a three up three parter than the last one was. Yes, Borderland. Uh, the study yeah, of the I, yeah. It just it just feels like it just feels like the, the, it's kind of about something, and there's the, there's a point that they're driving to, and like a story they're trying to tell, instead yeah. of uh, instead of just the usual autopilot stuff. Yeah, I think it just comes back to what I was saying before. I'm I'm going to give it a three, but it's it's like not a bad three. It's just yeah. it's the show doing threes better. Like if. If this had been the baseline three of the first three seasons, I think Enterprise feels like a different show, you know. Sure. But I don't sure. think this. I don't think this episode on its own had enough where I'd recommend it to anybody. I don't think it was like exceptionally mm. good. I just think it was well executed and competent. So I'm, I'm going to give it a three, but it's a good three. I was happy with this episode. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I would say what's interesting about this one is I feel like you can sense the shift a little bit in that it still has a lot of traditional enterprise stuff in it but i think it's it's less offensive than usual for instance i didn't care for the chase sequence through the desert that felt like you know yeah much like the much like the chase sequence through the ice planet in 2009 it felt like it was just driving them towards the the vulcan character yeah um but that being said it was fine like it didn't it didn't really bother me that much. I think the rest of it was And I feel it that. lingered. Uh, like I feel earlier Enterprise would have like remember that episode where they were Archer and Tripp were walking through the desert for like ninety oh, yeah. percent of the episode like that? Yeah. That felt really slow. Uh this one it just felt like even even though the times you were there, the point of it is to show you that Archer is really suffering from how hot it is. Like it's right. like you like yeah. you get a little bit of an insight as to why this is such a bad walk for him and then after that scene, the second scene in the desert is the electrical storm that chases them into the cave, and it's like, okay, that I, got the job done. I got worried when they were running from that monster and they were hiding up on the mountain, and he's like, how long is it going to be until it leaves us alone? And she's like, days. I was like, oh, fuck. Why? Are you just going to like hang out here what? for five days? Is Why that couldn't that monster climb the mountain after them? Did I they don't say- know. Okay. <laughs> a big old thick boy. Can't make it up the spiky rocks. I didn't Yeah, I don't know. And then the the Arik or Arv whatever gets rid of it. Yeah, I, I was concerned they he were pulls, gonna be stuck on the mountain. He pulls an Obi an Obi Wan and yeah. and makes the, the noise of the 
Bantha or whatever it is and scares them away. <laughs> is the, um, and maybe we haven't seen, I think people are calling those sellouts or something like that. We haven't seen that before. I don't think. Was that in discovery? Was she changed? Wasn't there a discovery in the second season where she has a flashback and she's running from a house and she's chased by something? Was that maybe one of those? Oh, maybe not. I do. I don't remember. That was a great de- uh, discovery episode. Um, <laughs> so that's it for the forge. I'll give it a three, but it's a happy three. It's a smiley face three. Clay gives it a four. <laughs> um, I think I'll like this one better than the augment arc, judging mm-hmm. just by the basis of this episode which is not much to go off of but i didn't think the augment stuff was bad but it just didn't feel like it really um amounted to much by the end of it i think this has a little bit more potential to do something i hope this second part is good and my only general downside to this is like looking forward if it follows predictable enterprise stuff the next one is going to be the good one in the arc and it's going to be the discussion about what the Knights are and where they came from and how they compare to the Vulcan command system. The third one is going to be the action episode that reconciles everything, you yeah. know, and I'm not looking forward to that. You're going to be in for a rude awakening in that second episode when we see a full reveal of the Knights and they're all wearing headbands and torn up tight T-shirts. I know. Copying fashion sense from incredibly strong. They're the same people. Super strong, super smart, although the augments never played that way. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show there. The show will continue. Lower, lower, no. Are we done? We might be done with Lower Deck, so we'll have our final thoughts about that. Uh, that continues. Enterprise now, just we're going to ride it out until we're done with Enterprise because I'd like Yeehaw. to finish the series, and there's only a couple episodes left, really. It's like half a season. Um, Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Uh, keep checking out the Patreon coverage of Friday the 13th. Amanda and myself are doing, uh, what month is this? This is going to be October. I think so. Uh, September was Jason Goes to Hell. October is Jason X, where uh, Jason goes to space. Actually, there's crossover into the Enterprise world in Jason Goes to Hell because one of the bad guys in it is Stephen Culp, Mako, Mako oh, really? leader. Stephen Culp, yeah. Major Reed or some, whatever that guy's name was. Yeah, I forget what his name is. Yeah, was, yeah. the guy, the guy who was Reed's who lover. To touch butts with yeah, Reed. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Good to see him. And in and Jason X, they go to space. So right, big that's crossover. what Enterprise is all about. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we might be done with Badass by this point. Actually, you I don't know are. how. Yes. I don't know how many weeks ahead we are. But yeah, you you will be. If you have you have two left, right at this point in real time. Yeah. So yeah, if so we're done with done. Badass, we're gonna come back and do a couple special episodes and then i think we're gonna take a break for a bit and then come back with uh bat ass beyond hmm. we'll recover batman beyond that's it thank you very much for listening to the podcast today we talked about the forge the next one i think is called awakening and then kershara is the very last one so we'll be back in a week i guess at this point thanks very much for listening thank you for supporting the show let us know what you thought about the forge down below and we will see you later